On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, hey, they've always got the good oil. Pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Yeah, welcome to Monday's Experts on Sky Sports Radio. Great to have your company. Today, my guest on the program will be Sydney-based jockey Nash Rowilla. Nash is 48 now, but he's never ridden better, in my opinion. Uh, as we record this interview in late April, he's fresh off a treble at the Hawkesbury Standalone meeting, which included a feature race double, and he also finished second in the Cup. So he nearly sweeped all three features. Nash has ridden around 2,500 winners. He's had over 15,000 race rides, and he's won 68 Group 1s. He's a name synonymous with racing, not only in Australia, but around the world, having ridden in many countries successfully, and he's on the line now. Nash, good morning to you, mate. Good day, Luke. How are you? I'm really well, mate. Thanks for your time uh, in this long-form interview that we do as part of Monday's Experts. Um, as I mentioned in the, the preview there, mate... Um, I believe you've never ridden better. You, you just look in sparkling form, and more importantly, you, you really look to be enjoying your riding at the moment. Yeah, I certainly am enjoying it. Um, and, uh, I, look, I, I just felt probably um, maybe even six months ago, I was sort of putting myself under a little bit too much pressure trying to ride sort of weights and um, or certain weights and things like that. And um, it was probably starting to just, just to, you know, you, you stop losing, you know, you, you lose touch with the fact that what you're out there for in the first place, and that, that is you sort of love what you're doing. But um, it takes a bit of the fun out of it once you start riding too light and things like that. So, yeah, just, just, just in recent times, I've been sort of pretty happy, in a pretty happy space, and... Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's been shown in me riding. It's great to hear, and I want to ask you about the pressures of being a, a jockey and a high-profile jockey in a moment because it's an important aspect of the sport, but you mentioned your love of, of riding. What do you love the most about riding racehorses? Is it the thrill of winning? Is it the exhilarating feeling of going fast? What is it, Nash? Uh, I think there's a heap of contributing factors, even just sort of the camaraderie and, and, and competitiveness in the jockey's room, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, at the end of the day, the, 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 I think in some respects, um, most jockeys are sort of adrenaline junkies a little bit, and, um, yeah, it is, it is a huge buzz to not only just ride a winner, but, um, you know, just the buzz of getting on a horse, you know, at five o'clock in the morning that, that gives you the feel of something a bit special, you know, things like that. There's always something to look forward to. Can you remember the first time you jumped on a thoroughbred? Yeah. Uh, look, I, I grew up, obviously, with... with um, initially, my father had trotters, and so there was always horses um, around me, and, and, and probably, you know, as a young fella living on a bit of a farm with... Dad training trotters who were going to get a boot up the backside if we got too close to them. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, like, um, I, I probably didn't really get sort of um, really into riding horses and that until I was about eight or nine. And, and um, 
at that point in time, Dad was riding over the jumps, and I was following him to the races at you know of a weekend, and and um, he, he sort of worked weekdays on the railways at the time, but he, he was riding over the jumps sort of just through his passion. He, he's he's always done that and always loved it, and um, yeah, I was following him to the races whenever he was riding, and and more often than not, got up for track work with him in the morning and went out and you know just keeping him company really and um, I, don't, I don't really think from about the age of six or eight I was going to be anything else other than a jockey. It's in your blood isn't it? Your brother's a jockey Brad, your son Campbell, your old man, it's it's part of the family, I, I want to say tradition almost. Yeah look Todd got a bit heavy, he rode, rode a, rode a fair few winners, um, my sister Stacey she had great success. Um, That's right. So the four of us have all rode um, um, you know, Campbell was always keen on wanting to try and be a jockey, and he, he's, he's taken, you know, made a real good fist of it. Um, yeah, so look, it had, racing's been unbelievable to us. Um, and, and, and look, Dad only battled. We, 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 um, he only battled, but he was a really gifted horseman and, uh, um, you know, had a lot of success riding over the jumps and, you know, around, around. Um, well, anyone that knows him just knows he's one of those blokes that rides in it, would ride anything, and um, would get any horse that no one else could get going. Going. You mentioned the pressure. Um, you've obviously put some on yourself trying to to waste. You're not a natural light light jockey, so that's one part of it, the, the personal pressure. But how do you deal with that of the owner, of the trainer you're riding for, having had that? upbringing with your father did that help you to prepare for that when you became a jockey in your own right um no i think that came with time um with me i, I probably as a young fellow didn't handle it that well um mm. I, I think um you know i think as i as i got more confidence got a, got older and, and and look got i think um I can remember even sort of going to Tony Noonan when I was 21 and, and doing a lot of riding for him, sort of basically being his stable jockey. And he, he had quite good horses at the time for Jonathan Munns. So he um, installed a lot of uh, confidence in me even at that young age, which I didn't have as, a, as an apprentice. And, yeah, uh, look, I, I we sort of grew up a bit different you know, 40 years ago than what they do even now, I think. You know, it's... Um, what's different uh, about what's different about being an apprentice now to when you came through? Is it harder? Oh, look, you know, obviously, oh, it was. We, we, you know, like, I, I was apprenticed to my uncle who taught me everything I know, basically, as, as well as my dad. But um, it was pretty tough. So there was no, you know... Um, just uh, look, I, I think the only way, way they went wrong a little bit in the early days is they didn't install a lot of confidence in you. You know, look, you, you, even when you rode a winner, there was no pat on the back. It was, um, mm. I'd be trying to find something you did wrong, you know. Uh, so I, 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 I don't think it helped me really as a kid, um, having a lot of confidence in my own ability. And, 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 and until I got that, I think that's when I went to the next level. 
Gee, I think that's an important point you've made, mate. And I think that's a wonderful improvement we've made, not only as a racing industry, but as a society to to build up our young people. Um, because yeah. it, it's so important that in those early stages you have that self-belief. Because, gee, if you don't have that as a jockey, you, you're stuffed, aren't you? Yeah, 100%. Um, and look, I don't... Probably seems a bit harsh on me, uncle and the, oh, and the old man, but it's it was just it was just those times, just how we that yeah. was how we grew up, and that was how it was. But um, anyway, no, it, it's it, it, I, I think um, you know in this day and age, you know, even with my young bike as he's come through, you know, it is important to have that self belief, and um, it's actually more important than having the ability. You know, you, you need you need to sort of. Um, it, it, it takes you a hell of a long way once you once you you know get get to that point in your career where you're starting to ride the better horses. You, you've got to have that belief. So talk us through your apprenticeship. When did you get that? How long was it into your apprenticeship that you realised, hey, I can really make a a good career out of this? Well, look, my, my you know, as I said, I was apprenticed to my uncle. I started off there, and and what was his um, name? I, I, what I was your uncle's name? Uncle Stu. He he Stu. he passed away about six years ago, and um, I, I don't think he ever I ever appreciated how good he thought I was at that time until he actually told me some twenty years later. You know what I mean? But um, <laughs> he, um, it's funny those anyway, old get, school get old school like, trainers. They, yeah, they don't say what they really mean and feel sometimes, do they? <laughs> exactly, you know. And uh, but oh well, look. Um, when did I uh, look? Um, but to his credit, as a, as a kid starting off, he he just um, gave me the best start in racing you could ever ask for. I, I probably rode. Um, well, I, I, did, I, I sort of outrode my claim in my first 120 rides, my um, three-kilo claim, and then, you know, quickly outrode my um, country claim and, and went to town, but um, to, to John Sadler at Flemington. But, yeah, look, I, I always had the natural ability, I guess, but um, just I, I do feel that I, you know, I can re- even remember early days riding a horse called Grand Bay, at um, at Sandown, and I was three in front. He was a track record holder at Sandown, and you know, 100 to go, I could hear Ollie coming. I could hear him coming, and, and um, nowadays I, I, I have this sort of um, you know belief where I, I, there's no way knowing I'm letting him beat me. But um, back then, I was thinking he's got me, you know, and that, that's sort of the the difference in mindset as you as you get older and get a bit more experienced. How how important is the the mental side of it compared to the physical? Because you mentioned you you had the natural ability, riding came naturally to you. That's probably as we said before, it's in your blood. So you had that natural ability physically, but the mental side is is equal to that almost, is it not? It may be even more important. Oh, it's probably. Oh, I would I would, I would say it's probably more important to be honest. Um, yeah, you know, I mean. I think um, physically, when I'm on song, um, you know, there's no one really trains harder or, or things like that. But um, yeah, I, I, I think mentally, 
takes her a hell of a long way too. So no, they're, they're both as important as each other. And um, you know, we, when you've when you've got the um, full package there, it's you know you you, you you do feel like you're riding on the crest of a wave. When you outrode that three kilogram claim and you came to town for the first time, what was that experience like? And what jockeys were you riding with in those days? My first ride was at Mooney Valley. Um, I was still apprenticed to my uncle Stuart. I think I was claiming two and a half in the bush, and I was sixteen. Uh, and a horse I won a couple on in, in the country. A horse called Napoleon. He he, uh, he earned his crack at a race in a Saturday, you know, in a Saturday race at Mooney Valley. Uh, he had must have had fifty and a half. I rode him forty-seven and a half. In a five pounder, and um, and beat Michael Clark a short half head on a horse called Lonely Dreamer for Mr Hayes. So that was a big thrill. Um, that was you know my first trip to town. Went up with the horse and the trainer Stephen Lake, and it was a uh, yeah day I'll never forget. That's for sure. How wonderful is that? You've ridden in over five hundred Group Ones now. As we fast forward to to this interview, when was your first Group 1 ride, though? You, you can remember Napoleon, clearly, that first Metro winner, but can you remember the first Group 1 steer? Yeah, uh, my first Group 1 ride was for Terry O'Sullivan. I, I think I was still... Uh, well, I was... Uh, I went to Adelaide to ride an Adelaide Cup for him, and the horse had 48 and a half. Um, so I was only 16 or 17, and uh, we ran third. That was behind Sub-Zero. That was my first ride in a Group One, and um, I think it was I had to wait till I was 23 or four to win my first one on Bolter. Um, he was about uh, he was he was an 80 to one shot, and um, he won the Morfordville um, the, the South Australian Derby. What was that like? Uh, it was a big thrill. Like I said, I had to wait for it, which which made it. You, you just know you, you need to, you know, for kids starting off, that, that first Group 1 win is so important because you, you're, you're sort of either labelled a, a Group 1 jockey or you're not. And um, once I won that first one, I, I felt I got a lot more opportunities and, and, you know, the other wins sort of rolled into each other. But um, at that stage, I think I was 23 and um, and and really needed that to, to sort of go to the next level while I was riding by that stage in town on the Saturday. Um, yeah, it was a very important win to me and, and I felt then from that point on the sort of opportunity started to come. And were you based in Adelaide at that time? No, no, I was based in uh, Mornington, Victoria. Mornington. And, Mornington um, that was where you, you started out, wasn't it? Mornington is... Is it home? It is home. I, I met... You know, my lovely wife Sarah there, and um, had two kids, and you know, and, and until um, 2007, that's that's where we were living, and and um, you know, although I was a Bendigo boy, that's that's where I where I based myself at Mornington there with Tony Noonan, and um, that that uh, that you know, a lot of fun and young family, and. Um, I think it was 2007, I got a phone call from Gay Waterhouse to go to Sydney. That changed your life, didn't it? Certainly did, yeah. It was, uh, I remember I was out in a fishing boat with um, a good mate of mine, Mark Riley. We were 
halfway through pulling up a, a few whiting and um, <laughs> the, the uh, Sydney number rang and it was actually Robin Hartney that called me and and she said, oh, look, you know, um, Gay's interested in getting you to come up here for a few months. At the time, I think Huey Bowman was going overseas for a bit of a stint over there and um, my first ride was that next Saturday was called Bentley Biscuit, who um, what a horse! Who bolted him? What a horse he was! Um, beautiful big chestnut, white face. I can remember him. So you you made that move to Sydney, and you had instant success. You, you were straight onto a horse like him. You you won at your first weekend. That would have been no doubt important to to hit the ground running. Yeah, it was. I, I look. I, I remember Gay put me up in the Addison Hotel. It was a Dingiest place I've ever ever <laughs> spent a week in. Or, but um, yeah, <laughs> what was Gay doing to you? What was she I doing to you? Putting. <laughs> I don't know whether this was. It wasn't. Wasn't the. It wasn't the nicest place to stay. I know that. And um, <laughs> okay, but, come you on. Know, once once you got there to the track and and just uh, saw the caliber of horses you were dealing with, and oh uh, yeah. Not only that, the caliber of people too. You know. Um, you know, right from the the. the the ground staff and track riders there to, to you know, to the, all the trainers there in the stand. It was um, a little bit different to what I was used to. And, um, yeah, like uh, Bentley Biscuit, I mean, he wasn't the soundest horse. He was he was just had the biggest heart of all time. And, um, yeah, like in that week, I, I won on him twice, won two group ones on him. A horse called Maurice won a group one on him. And, and that, was, that was all within that week and a, another group three race. So I think I had five rides for the week for... You know, three group ones in a in a group two or three race. So I, uh, I I I knew I was gonna it was a damn good opportunity, and I, I just you know focused on working hard and, and making sure I made it happen. How long was it into your Sydney riding career when you first jumped on more joyous, maybe in track work or in a barrier trial? When was the first time you laid eyes on her? Uh, well, she sort of come along a couple of years later there. Um, you know, she was a lovely... Oh, well, she was a... She was a exciting filly, but um, very light and um, almost... She was unassuming? Ready to look at, yeah, yeah. But Fair dinkum. Yeah. yeah, as soon as you jumped onto those, you could feel the, the power, you know. Um but look, yeah, I, 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 look with Singo, even our association there. I, I remember bringing him to ride, ride Tuesday Joy there a couple of times when Beban was coming back to ride from Hong Kong, and I just couldn't get anywhere with Singo. He just, just could, I, basically, he'd give me nothing. I just couldn't get anywhere. There's no way now, and I was going to get an opportunity to ride for him and things like things like that. And um, uh, gradually, gradually, it, it sort of happened, and we we we. Formed a bit of a friendship, and um, and obviously more joyous sealed that. You know, we had so much fun with her. I think I won 20 races on her. So, mm. um, yeah, she was just a out and out champion, really. But um, yeah, thankfully from that, the, just that the, the friendship that come come with her was, um, you know, obviously an added bonus that I'm very thankful for. John Singleton is one of the most colourful characters in racing. He's been wonderful for racing. Would he be 
Would he be one of the most memorable owners you've ridden for in your career? Yeah, without doubt, yep. What, um, made him, what makes him so memorable? Oh, uh, look. You obviously won him over, Nash. Yeah, but it was, it was more, to, as I said, the time it just took to, to really um, get that bond with him. But Yeah. Uh, if, I could, if I could even tell you what he done for, he's done for me in the last couple of months, it's, it's a whole other story. But, um, yeah, no, look, he's he has been unbelievable and a, a great mate, which is um, what it's all about. You know, the, the enjoyment we've had out of racing over the last five or ten years, it's been... Um, been just um, out of this world, really. Let's talk more about the mayor. What what was your most memorable win on on More Joyous? I mean, there was oh, Doncasters. There was yeah, definitely the Doncaster. Um, you know, she carried the big weight, and she probably um, well, that was her crowning moment for sure. I mean, I, I know she came out the, the week later and, and brained him in the Queen Elizabeth, but I think um, what she did there in the Doncaster is pretty special. I'm not going to ask you to, to tell me who the best horse you've ridden is, but would she be your favourite horse that you've ever been associated with? Uh, look, I think, um, you know, when you start talking horses, it's like trying to pick one of your kids. It's not easy. That's what like, I mean. um, Yeah, exactly. But, but she's obviously, you know, like her, her and Piero and um, obviously Elstrom are the three most important horses I've had in my career. Mm. Um, and, and, just um, you know, obviously, even with Eduardo and think it over recently, that you know, it's um, when you when you got two horses like that sort of at the same time, it's a real game changer. Is it a different feeling the week of a race when you know you've got a more joyous waiting for you on Saturday to just your typical Saturday? No doubt, there's it's completely different when you've got when you're riding a horse that's expected to win because. We all do the form. We all try and find the winner, and we all look at horses that we oh, we think this will be a really good chance on the weekend. But a mare like Moore Joyce, she was expected to go out there and do the job, wasn't he? And that that made you a big part of it. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, oh, you know, you look back at sort of. I remember, you know, even riding Piero, I had so much confidence in him, and he won the slipper, the the. Um, the um, the size and obviously we'll we'll go into the champagne and I, I just remember driving to the races and I I'd never been more nervous going to the races uh, and is this slipper day? Yeah, uh, no, no, champagne stage. Champagne. Day. I mean, he ended up bolting him, but um, yeah. I, I just remember driving to the races really nervous about riding him and um, and actually just I, I rang the old man as, as I pulled up at the track and said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just real. Uptight about this this race, mate, and you know, going to ride Piero. What did your dad yeah, say? And he, he just sort of said, "Well, if you if you weren't a bit nervous, you, you know, you're not doing your job." But mm. um, he said, "Just go out and enjoy it. You're on the best horse, and um, that's what we did." So, did the did the nerves disappear once you got on his back, or yeah, you I have think the... it does. It was, yeah. it was just one of those things where I suppose because he was expected to win, and um, you know, obviously, um, you know, like the, the stats would tell you it's not easy to do. Um, no. But, you know, really, like, honestly, I had full confidence in the horse. It was just, just a funny... I just uh, remembered the phone call, you know, as I pulled up and telling the old man how nervous I was. But, um, 
anyway, quickly um, passed as we got to the track and went out and started rope riding. He must have filled you with so much confidence, that horse, every time you got on him, Piero. What a, what a horse. Yeah, he was. He was unbelievable. I, I think, you know, ability-wise, he's probably the best horse I've ridden. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, going to, career, um, going to start early in his career, that's sort of what he could have achieved. But um, I'm pretty sure he, he, he would have won a Cox Plate and, and, and kept um, the great Winks in check for, for a couple of hers too. Don't worry about that. He was a wonderful horse. You've been associated with so many great horses. You mentioned Eduardo, Thessio, Elverstrom. We've spoken about more joyous Piero, more recently Think It Over. The ride on him in the 2022 Queen Elizabeth is one that will go down in history. And I know we've spoken about this at length in interviews before, but for this segment, just talk us through your decision to steer him out so wide on the track in the straight when he wasn't a noted wet tracker, but you somehow you somehow got him through the ground that day to win. Yeah, well, look, he, he, I mean, he's another, and, you know, um, we knew how well we had him going and things like that, and the, the rain came that morning, and I, I, I did carry a ring and just said, I, you know, I think today, well, I, I, he said, what do you think? And I said, well, look, I think if we put him up on speed and get him in a nice rhythm, I can sort of pick the ground I want to take and, and, and sort of we can get him comfortable. He'll gain confidence as we go. Because I, I know the start before at um, Newcastle, the, the track was rain-affected there, and he just hated it. It was a bit shifty underfoot. I think the beauty of Ramwick, you've always got that bit of nice footing that um, a horse like him, even though they don't like it, they, they can gain a bit of confidence as they go along. And, um, you know, I could tell that the horse was starting to get confidence by the time we got to the 600 and the pace started to quicken and, and, and things like that. But... What, what concerned me is when I straightened up, I was um, sort of taken out that little bit wider by Zaki, where I felt was probably the heaviest part of the track. And um, look, just the fact that I'd sort of walked that outside fence earlier in the day before the first, and then um, seen the, the vehicles have been driving on it during the day, um, I could just tell. You know, trotting on, trotting on it, going to the barriers, it was just so much better. And, and it, it wasn't even a, something I'd thought about before the race. It was just something that I thought of as we straightened up. And um, so when you make an instinct like that, you never question yourself. It's just, you just do it. And um, that's what I did. Was it an instinct, do you think? Well, instinct to some respect and, and just... Um, yeah, just just uh, yeah, it was just 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 uh, it's basically a snap decision that I thought mm. this is my only chance of winning. You know, it was just just what I did. All the great jockeys can do that, uh, make those split second decisions, and some of them come with risk, and that certainly came with risk, but it paid off big time. I won't get you to relive the events around February at the Barrier Trials at at Warwick Farm again because you've spoken about them before, but. You had a, a health setback with your heart. Um, it was a big scare for you. Um, and as you mentioned, you've been a hard trainer um, all your all the way through your career. And that's probably what enabled you to recover from that so quickly and get back to riding at the level you are now. Considering all of that, that you've now got yourself back at, at 48 and you're healthy again and you're riding so well, how much longer do you want to ride for? And 
how much longer do you think you can keep riding for at the elite level, Nash? Look, I, I certainly haven't got a timeline on it. Um, hmm. I think most jockeys, when they get to my stage in life, they, 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 they generally, you know, begin to start losing their passion, I guess. But um, with 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 me, um, it will just come down to as well with most, you know, like you'll know when it's time. Um, like I said, it's important that you're really enjoying what you're doing, and um, and and I, and I honestly think I, I don't know, look. You only got to look at old RT and that, you know. Like if I could um, keep myself as fit and as well, and, and seeing it like he was up until he was sixty, I, I'd if I can get halfway to there, I'd be I'd be wrapped. And if I could get to that stage where I'm still enjoying it and, and doing what he was doing, I, I, I'd definitely do it, you know. But, um, Look, it's a, it's a, you know, we're pretty lucky where it's a career where you can always make a quid and you always got a, something yeah. to look forward to. And, you know, I, I think as far as even if I've, I've always thought I'd love to go and train horses, but, oh, geez, it's a tough way to make a quid and it's a tough way to get going, you know. Like, I, I'm, I am already where I am through hard work that I've done and, you know, I've just got to, Keep putting the polish on myself to get, to get there and, 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 and pulling off good rides. But, um, yeah, I think sort of changing my career and being a horse trainer would be pretty difficult. Yeah, I understand. It would be. It's hard in, in New South Wales in particular because it's so competitive now and it is difficult to get going. Um, not to harp on it, but did the health setback give you perspective? Did it give you new drive? What on the back of that did it? Did it sort of do for you? Um, because you mentioned that you you never thought about not riding again. It was always a case of no, I'm I'm getting myself back, wasn't it? Well, look, I think I was very lucky to be honest, um, Luke. Like it, it gave me it, it put the fight alive, uh, you know, the fight alive in me. But um, at the same time, I, I didn't do any damage. So you know, I could have actually you know had something major happened and whether it be a stroke That's or right. a major heart attack and um not been afforded the opportunity to ever ride again so I, I was very fortunate i was given a warning sign or a, you know basically a warning sign that i needed to change a few things in my life which i have and and um you know for that i'm not going to try and look for a second chance it's um you know i've just grabbed that Grab that with both hands and really uh, made the most of it. Very well said, mate. Final one before we wrap it up. I wanted to ask you about your style. Um, punters love your aggression. I know sometimes it finds you in the stewards' room, um, but you're a competitor. You're an aggressive rider. Tell me about your your riding style. And I mean, we can always pick you in a finish. You're quite. Um, you're very noticeable in the way you use your entire body to lift horses in finishes. Talk to me about that and how... Was that always the case? Did you always have that noticeable style in how you rode horses? I think so. I don't think I've changed too much. And I, I look, I, I, even, you know, sort of going back to Uncle Stu and that when I was, you know, at times I would try and ride a few holes shorter or... Um, 
really go for that sort of pretty look, you know, like the Glenn Bosses and Jay McDonald's and that are fortunate enough to have, you know, horses run for them. But um, I, um, I guess where where I've made my name, and this has been from even as a kid, is is more been riding horses that other jockeys have had trouble getting to win and and and, and finding the key to them to to turn them back into racehorses and and that's something that I pride myself on and um, still do and um and and I've just sort of realised over the years that you know and, and it comes to confidence too like um I'm not you know I don't worry about how I look in a photo it's uh, be more worried about having me head in the photo first and things like that, you know. Um, uh, so yeah, it's a it's a tough one, but it's you know it, it is it's it's me. It's how I feel comfortable, and and you know I also know you know that at times there's there's horses that you ride that certainly don't need that type of aggression. You know they they enjoy a bit of a pattern, you know, mm-hmm. being kitted to, and so they're all different, but. Um, you know, I, I, I think I can sort of adapt to what, what, what a horse needs and, and, and when it's needed. Nash, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface and we could keep going for hours, but I've run out of time. Yep. As we wrap it up, mate, um, and I thank you, what's your advice to young, young riders coming through and people who might be thinking about a, a career as a jockey? What would you say to those people? Well... Look, it's important to base, uh, you know, base yourself around good people. Um, you know, have, you know, listen, listen to the advice that everyone gives you, and and and, and probably, um, you know, quite often you're only taking half it on board because there's a, there's a lot of. Uh, Quite often, more than not, there's a fair bit of shit in between the good stuff. But yeah, look, I, I think um, you know, and just just working hard, and and when you're going through a bad time, staying positive. You know, turning up to work with a smile on your face, it takes you a long way. Love it, mate. Great to chat to you. Thank you so much for your time and being our guest on today's Monday's Experts. Thanks very much. Thanks, Luke.